Brodo fam, the Brodo app is better than ever, and we are introducing for the first time ever fantasy football player cards. That's right. You know, just like a regular card, it's got the player in the front and it's got stats in the back, except this is for fantasy football. In this one, you have the player and all their draft information, including where they were picked, their height, their weight, and all of their measurables, including their vertical, speed score, shuttle, broad jump, bench, 40-yard dash, and cone. And where that was in terms of percentile at their position. You flip the card around, which is nice and dandy. Just put your finger on it. And you have 16 of the most important stats that you need for fantasy, including receiving yards, touchdowns, true target value, uh, average depth of target, targets percentage, red zone opportunities, points per game, points per opportunity, excluding touchdowns, and tons, tons, tons more. This is only available on the Fantasy Football by Brodo app, available everywhere you can get your stuff. Not only that, we got every stat you need. We got up to five different comps for every player, social media, uh, graph tools, the rookie draft guide by the Undroppables, rankings, news, coaching stats and tendencies, contract information, articles, podcasts, literally everything you need to dominate your fantasy football league. And if you're an amateur fantasy football podcaster, writer, everything you need to support your arguments is in the Fantasy Football by Brodo app. Check it out today. The Fantasy Football by Brodo app available now wherever you can get your apps. Welcome back to the Brodo Fantasy Football Podcast presented by BrotoFantasy.com. I'm your host, Tim Petrop, with my brothers, the only two twins that give you double that fantasy goodness, Michael and Jason Petrop. Coming in hot, it is the Brodo Fantasy Football Podcast. I'm your host, of course, Tim Petrop, here with the two twins Aroonies. Michael and Jason. Michael, we can see your face today. Your camera, you're using a different computer. Your camera's fixed. It's amazing. Yeah, I'm using a different computer. Uh, we've discussed it on the pod before, but the camera on my current laptop is broken for whatever reason, and I haven't fixed it, and it just straight up wasn't working, even the microphone today, that fucking thing. So now I'm using Jason's girlfriend's laptop, but that means Timmy and Jason get to see my beautiful face. And and he's using his laptop. You notice how he gives Jason's girlfriend all of the credit, and little, and but he says, I have a broken microphone. But So, Michael, how did you replace your microphone? No, the microphone on the computer is Tim's. was broken. The microphone's Tim's. And the broken microphone you replaced, but it's not my microphone. It's our Brodo <laughs> microphone, so well, suck it. Well, you... T- <laughs> That's enough out of you, Jason. What's good, bro? I'm I'm good. Not a. I don't have an intro like that. I'm just I'm chilling, killing. I'll tell you what, Jason. Ready to talk football. If you guys were Shoot. wondering what Jason looks like right now, let me paint the picture for the. Let me paint the picture here. Broad shoulders. He's been working out, right? I I watch on the wrist. Club master glasses on. Air bu- Airbuds. <laughs> Airbuds. <laughs> AirPods. Hold bro. on. AirPods. AirPods. And AirPods and a shirt that says his 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 little law firm on it. His law firm. <laughs> his, his his little powerful law firm on it. Jason's looking OD like he's about to sentence me to life in jail right now. 
What the f- are these Clubmaster classes? Yeah. I don't know what they're called. Those are Clubmaster classes. <laughs> well, I pull them off. They look good on you. Uh, speaking of Clubmaster, I don't know what the, this transition makes no sense, but I'm going to go for it anyway. <laughs> speaking of Clubmaster, the guys who dance the best on the field, the wide receivers, are going to be the people that we're talking about today. Top 24 wide receivers. And before we get started into this, I want to tell you right now that... Well, Tim, skip. Oh, here Top we are again. 12. That's what I said. Wide receivers. And then the next 12 on the patron pod. As if I wasn't going to say that. Um, we're doing the top 12. And before we get started on that, we do want to let you know, patreon.com slash brotofantasies, where you can support the show. It is the reason why we can have an app and a website and bring you a podcast because of our great, wonderful patrons who, for as little as $3 a month, get a ton of extras, including uh, the Discord, our community, access to leagues, an extra episode every week, which you're going to hear the wide receivers uh, 13 through 24 on that episode, like Michael just mentioned, um, and tons, tons extras, and not for not, and, and also the, be- the best perk of them all, you get to support the show. Also, leave us a review on Apple Podcasts or on the Brodo app. In, in fact, at this point, it would be weird to say that I prefer you to leave a review on the app not the podcast. Yeah. That's so strange. Um, but leave a review on the app. Uh, it goes a long way. When you see most popular apps, you're not seeing the apps with the most downloads that week. You're seeing the apps with the most comments that week. So a little behind the scenes, behind the curtain of um, of that. That's that's put in place in order to give people like us a chance to get on the top charts. So um, leave a review. Get us on those top charts. And uh, we appreciate the support. BrotoFantasy.com as well. So there is a couple of pieces, of little tad, little tidbits uh, that happened in the news this week that I want to talk about. Man, Jason, you had to give an early RIP to your sleeper this year, and that was Josh Reynolds. And unfortunately, it looks like I'm going to have to give an early RIP to my sleeper this year, Irv Smith. Um, it's not every day that you hear, like, you know how we feel about coach speak in June. But it's not every day where the head coach, and if you haven't seen this comment, go take a look at it. It's, it's on our Twitter. Mike Zimmer basically says, and I'm paraphrasing here. This isn't his, 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 his exact quote. There's no reason to believe that Irv Smith's role will grow this year in the offense. Actually, the person who you should be looking at is Tyler Coughlin. He's the person who has been shining in the offense, and he's been making the most strides forward. So you should see him have an expanded role, not Irv Smith. If this is a way to motivate your high draft pick tight end that has been lackluster for the past two years, that's an old school way of doing things that I don't really truly understand, probably because I'm 32. I'm not, well, I'm not no spring chicken, but I'm also not an old man. If he's being honest, then you got to ask yourself, what is he doing here for team chemistry? Mike Zimmer, definitely not known as a player's coach. What is your guys' reaction to this? I, for me, immediately when I heard this, I went to my rankings and I dropped Irv Smith down outside of my tight end one range um, around tight end 14. How did you guys react to this? I reacted. Honestly, Jason, why don't you go first? Thought, yeah, I just... We saw this happen last year when, uh, like, Irv Smith was good when Kyle Rudolph was on off the field, but Tyler Conklin got a lot of burn, and there's a reason. That's kind of why Michael didn't really like Irv Smith at the end of last season. And if Mike Zimmer is already saying 
that Tyler Conklin is the guy to watch. And you obviously have to make note of that because Tyler Conklin got burned at the end of last year. So it's not like it's just he's not pulling a random name out of a hat and just saying, oh, no, watch out for that guy to, like, motivate a second tight end. No, this guy was almost playing as much as Irv Smith anyway last season. So it's it, it's tough to hear. Yeah, it's so disappointing because, I mean, I spent a good portion of this weekend watching Irv Smith highlights just to, like, to confirm, like, all right, I've seen him play. I know what he plays like. I see the stats. They support that he plays well. Let me go again, just take a look at this guy. And within the first three highlights, I was like, well, this guy obviously is an exceptional athlete. And if you give him the chance, he'll be great. So it made me feel even better about Irv Smith. And now, you know, Irv Smith, I dropped Irv Smith. I had him at I had him at seven. And now he's at fourteen. That's how much these comments mean to me. Yeah. I mean, I haven't I haven't updated the tight end rankings yet. We haven't we're our ranking is one Sneak peek folks is coming soon. Um, so keep an eye on that. Irv Smith will certainly be outside of my top twelve now as well because this isn't this isn't Coach Beak like, you know, oh, Irv is off to a bad start. He really needs to get going. He's having some trouble with the playbook or something like that. This dude came out and said, No, he's not gonna have a bigger role. Like <laughs> straight up. Straight up. Just straight up said, No, like we we have our tight end room and that's that. Ridiculous. And like Jason said, Conklin, Irv Smith, everyone was like, oh, you see, he had a good end of the season last year. If you look at Tyler Conklin, he basically had the same exact stats at the end of the season last year. Like Conklin was even a viable tight end every now and then when Rudolph got hurt. So it's like, but no one ever hears the name Tyler Conklin because he's not the young uh, hope to be big prospect stud type, you know? High draft capital. and. Yeah, and that's just what seems to be the case. Look, things can change. It's still only mid-June, and mini camps are just starting, you know. But certainly not what you want to hear if you were in the uh, Irv Smith breakout camp. Which I definitely, uh, definitely was. Second-round pick, the guy, in 2019 out of Alabama. Like, man. It's a lot with these new coaches coming in and just, like, not giving a shit about that. To be, it's not even a new coach though. But it's not even a new coach. That's what I'm saying. Like I was saying, typically it's a new coach. I, I worded it really bad. Like Mike Zimmer isn't the new coach. You'd think, like that. And now Kyle Rudolph is gone. You'd think that wouldn't be the case. But I don't know. Maybe just Irv Smith really isn't uh, making it. Like we see this sometimes in the fantasy circles and such. Players get hyped up who really aren't shit and. I think Irv Smith is a good player, but who knows? Maybe he's really just not proving that to be the case during a, during practice. Mac Jones, more first-team snaps than Cam Newton on Tuesday. Uh, the Athletics uh, Patriot writer Jeff Howe reported he looked like the best quarterback on the field. Not hard to do when Cam Newton is the other quarterback on the field. Do you think there's a chance that Bill Belichick runs a rookie quarterback out for week one? Yes. I don't think Bill Belichick gives a shit about anyone's feelings. <laughs> I think he's made that very clear throughout his career that he does not care what you think about him. He does not care about what you think about literally anything. He's going to make the football decisions that he wants to make. And if Cam Newton continues just to be a scrub, and even maybe, maybe Cam Newton opens the season as a starter, if he scrubs it up week one, I wouldn't be shocked. But now we have preseason games this year, too. So if it's like a huge difference, kind of like the uh, 
Like people forget how much of an impact oh, yeah. the preseason can have because we didn't have it last year yeah. remember the seahawks gave matt flynn this big contract draft russell wilson in the third round russell wilson lights up the preseason and gets named the starter and ended up being a tremendous decision they were like sorry matt flynn i know we gave you money but who cares same thing with like royce freeman and and uh he was the big rookie Lindsay. The, the Philip Philip Lindsay. yeah no, everyone's like who's this fucking guy philip Lindsay is getting all the carries and then all of a sudden, Philip Lindsay is the starting running back week one. Yeah, but um, remember that Matt Flynn threw that six-touchdown game at the end of the year for the Packers, and that basically made him yeah, a multi-million. get that huge deal. And yeah. geez, Louise, backup quarterback is one of the best jobs, man. Guys like Chase Daniel making $30 million in his pocket to just sit on the bench, work out, have, like, nutritionists and shit. It's crazy. It's, it's great, but at the same time, like, I'd rather be the starting quarterback. Well, I said it's a great job. I didn't say it's the best job. Michael, you know what? Your logic has <laughs> thwarted me. Um, speaking of starting quarterback for week one, <laughs> Matt Nagy on Chris Collinsworth pod, Collinsworth's podcast says no when asked if Justin Fields is going to be the starter. Andy is our starter. Um, Nagy has said over and over again that Andy Dalton is the starter for the Bears week one. Now, before everyone goes and calls Matt Nagy an idiot, it should be noted that do you know? Do you guys know who the Bears are playing Week One off the top of your head? Cowboys? No, they're playing Bengals. the the Rams. They're playing the Rams at eight twenty on Sunday night. So, prime time against the best defense in football last year with the best interior defensive lineman in football for sure. Maybe the best defensive player in football. I'm not starting my rookie quarterback against that guy. So if I had money, I would say that it's Justin Fields starting week two at the Bengals if Dalton really struggles against L.A. And it's Fields starting week four at home against the Lions if Dalton plays well. Yeah, those are my two games that I'm looking at where I'm saying those are, that's where Fields is going to take over. I wasn't shocked at all by those statements, though. Like, I, I think everyone is dumb if they think Justin Fields is going to open the season as a starter. I mean, they brought in Dalton, and Dalton has been a formidable player for his entire career now. Even last year, you know, he started off very slow. But then he ended up being a solid quarterback the second half of the season. And, look, Justin Fields, he was the fourth quarterback taken. Like, there were several teams who passed on him. He has this, like, I, I mean, you guys know that I, I'm not a big Justin Fields guy, but he just fucking has this really long delivery that is not good even on the plays where people are like look at justin fields the dude is taking 47 minutes to throw i don't know i'm not a big Five justin minutes. fields guy but i just don't think it's shocking at all if andy dalton opens the season as the starting quarterback and i don't know how far you want to look into this but Matt Nagy was the offensive coordinator for the chiefs when mahomes sat his entire rookie season i think there's something to be said about that and mahomes is mahomes my homies he did play week, but that was a better team, I think. I feel like. Like, that was a team that was a quarterback away from a Super Bowl, as you could tell. Then why didn't they start? <laughs> That's a, that hurts the argument, honestly. Nah, because the team was good enough to compete for a Super Bowl with Alex Smith, but they weren't good enough to win it. But you don't know what you have in Pat Mahomes at that point yet. You don't know that you're about to have the, the guy who wins NFL MVP in his first season. You know what I mean? Like, you don't know you got that guy yet. So I think that it makes sense. Here's something that doesn't make much sense. 
Denzel Mims. Look. Mims? Not looking good right now. In fact, the Jets in minicamp gave every single wide receiver on the team snaps with the first team except Denzel Mims. Why? I, I can't tell you. Corey Davis is on the team now. Elijah Moore is on the team now. In fact, Keelan Cole, who, by the way, for me, I've been, Jason and I, Michael too, but mostly Jason two years ago and then me last year, have been singing the praises of Keelan Cole as an underrated player in the league for years now. So would it surprise you to see if Keelan Cole like takes a step up with the Jets in the right system? It wouldn't surprise me. But with that being said, you got to take Jamison Crowder into consideration as well. And there's been reports that that uh, Zach Wilson loves throwing to Braxton Berrios. So Mims seems to be the odd man out right now. This is a guy who was picked with the, with in, in the second round last year, was projected, like this dude's 6'4", super athletic, can go up and high point the ball. There is something to be said about the fact that big wide receivers don't usually fit in Shanahan schemes. If you look around um, at the McVay and Shanahan type teams, they don't really have these huge guys that are just... I mean, I, I guess Cooper Cup, you could say, is a big guy, but he's a slot receiver. He's not that type of outside guy. And there's been talk that Mims just kind of doesn't fit the makeup of this team. How concerned are you right now if you are a Denzel Mims roster or manager in Dynasty? I mean, you have to be concerned. He wasn't very good last year. Like, I know he didn't get that much opportunity, and Sam Darnold was buns. But Denzel Mims never looked like he was a budding star. He he had good games. He looked like he's he looked like he has potential, but that's always what it was potential. So I mean, it obviously hurts if you see that he's not getting run with the ones because in order to meet your potential, you need to be on the field. And the Jets just paid Corey to do Davis. They brought in Keelan Cole. They have Jameson Crowder, Elijah Moore. It seems like Denzel Mims might be an odd man out kind of guy. I wouldn't be surprised if he ends up having a good season and he ends up being a good wide receiver. I also wouldn't be surprised if the Jets kind of just bail on him early and because he came out of Baylor as a raw talent. And maybe the Jets are just they're realizing that the rawness won't transfer over. I don't know. It's concerning. Apparently during practice, too, they... uh. When Corey Davis was off the field, it's not even like Mims stepped on. Elijah Moore moved to the outside, and then Braxton Berrios came in and moved to the slot. As of right now, there's beat writers, well, not beat writers, but people who are around the Jets saying that they wouldn't be surprised to see a lineup of, on opening day, uh, Davis and Moore on the outside and Crowder in the slot rather than... And remember... Yeah. Moore was not just a slot guy. That's one thing that I, I we mentioned um, after the draft and before the draft. Like a lot of guys are talking about Elijah Moore. If you go back and you, there's places on YouTube where you can go to every snap a player is involved in. Every snap Elijah Moore is invo- involved in, he was in motion. Every single snap he was in motion. He was in motion even when he had nothing to do with the play. Like that's just where he lives, and he's about to go into a into an offense that uses motions religiously. So I don't think there's even something to be fit in in terms of that. Elijah Moore is probably my favorite rookie receiver right now. I know Chase... I know Chase... uh, What's his name? Why can't I remember his last name? 
Chase. Jamar Chase. Jamar Chase. That's why I can't. You're remember saying his last name. His last name. His last name. Um, good. Jamar Chase. I know the talent. I know the opportunity. I just think Elijah Moore is my favorite rookie at the moment in terms of wide receivers. Speaking of the Jets, I just this doesn't to do with uh, with uh, fantasy, but I just have to do a little laugh here. <laughs> Jamal Adams is not going to mandatory minicamp because he wants a new contract. Fuck that guy, man. Absurd. Yeah. And he sucks. Bro, all he did was talk. Every, <laughs> bro, I used, to, I used to be on the keep Jamal Adams train. I'm going to tell you that right now. But when the trade was made and we got two. That's because he was a dumbs motherfucker. No, no, no. Because True. if you get two first and a third for him, then you accept that all day, every day. And I had no problem with the trade because of that haul. But I thought Jamal Williams was a good player. After what we saw last year where, yeah, he set the record for most sacks by safety. Whoop the fucking do. The guy was terrible in coverage, continues to not force turnovers, and he keeps holding so out now, for more money. So now you're agreeing with me after all these No, he's times a good look, No, no, because you were saying he sucks and he's not worth it. He's a good player. But no matter how but he's not good enough to do this, bro. You already got your fucking trade. What are you doing? You're holding out now? What are you doing? What are you doing? And people call this guy a leader. A leader for what? Leading what? What does he what does he lead? Nothing. He hasn't led a thing. All he does is talk about how he's the man and then he holds out for more money. It's like I can't take this fucking guy. Thank God he's as far away from the Jets as possible. Thank Ooh. God. Um speaking of Jameson Crowder, Jameson Crowder took a pay cut to stay with the Jets. Reports say that it's at least a 50% pay cut. So I think it's uh, that's important to note. That's definitely important to note because he's coming back. And even more bad news for Denzel Mims. They're going to get Elijah Moore on the field regardless. And the last piece of news I just wanted to touch on before we move on to our wide receivers today. LaVisca Chenault, they're talking about making him into a pure wide receiver in this offense, says Daryl Bevel. Um that concerns me. I think one of the things that LaVisca Chenault, I am not on the LaVisca Chenault hype train with everybody else. I'm, I, I'm nowhere near it. I think DJ Chark is being significantly undervalued. Um, I would even prefer Marvin Jones. I just don't think LaVisca Chenault is going to have that role in this offense, especially with ETN kind of taking away what made him special. Darren Bevel, 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 Bevel. For for wide receivers, he's the bevel. He he hasn't produced many wide receivers in his life. Only three receivers ever under Daryl Bevel have had over a thousand yards. So we could hear all this hype we want about Lavisca Chenault and oh, but he's gonna get handoffs too. They have James Robinson and Travis Etienne, so how many fucking handoffs is Lavisca Chenault gonna get? It's fucking May hype season right now. June hype season. And so people are running with it. He's probably going to be overdrafted, in my opinion. It's just, Daryl Bevel is not a guy who produces breakout wide receivers. All righty, then. That is the news. The, the, the news that I thought was important. Michael really wanted to get his thoughts on LaVisca Chenoulton. Do you want to talk about LaVisca Chenoulton, Michael? I don't really want to. I just want to agree with you guys. And I think he's, uh, I don't know, it's one of those... Guys that everyone just loves, and it's just becoming one of those folklores. And I mean, he has some, he does have some solid um, comps in the Brodo 
app, like Michael Crabtree, Justin Blackman, Des Bryant are very solid. And then he has Jordan Matthews, Christian Kirk, and it's all low confidence compared to others. Um, but I mean, we'll see. I'm just, I'm not a huge LaVisca Chanel guy either. And I, I don't expect, I don't know what people expect in Jacksonville first year in a new offense with the rookie quarterback and multiple weapons on that team. Okay. 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 All right. Let's do this. Um, wide receivers one through 12. Before we get started on this one, we want to tell you that this is the most fluid of our lists. Um, if you look at the talent that is in wide receiver this year, it is kind of nuts how many talented wide receivers there are in the league right now. Like, guys that have the ability to end as a top 12 wide receiver are ranked extremely low this year. Like, for example... Michael, would you be completely shocked if Robbie Anderson finished as a wide receiver one this year? Yes. Why would you choose Robbie Anderson? Because <laughs> it's a good example. He's a good player. Yeah, I do not think he has a Man, shot of ending. Jason, let me receiver. let me play this game I'm with someone honest. who's not no, Michael. He will not. Jason, you'd be shocked. You'd be shocked if he st- if he ended as a wide receiver one this year. You'd be yes. shocked. I'd be shocked. Yes. <laughs> Jason, would you be on. shocked? Who else, Tim? Who else? Jason, would you be shocked? Slightly. Slight. Anyway, he's wide receiver 37, and he could easily be a wide receiver one if he wants to. That's what I'm trying to say. Kenny Galladay is, is wide receiver 21. He could be the number one wide receiver one if Daniel Jones steps his fucking game up. Uh, Deontay Johnson could be a wide receiver one. Cortland Sutton could be a wide receiver one. Debo Samuel could be a wide receiver one. These are guys who aren't even cracking the top 24 wide receivers. So when you're talking about when you're talking about wide receivers a lot of it's going to be who's getting the most targets, who's getting the most burn. We're gonna, this is going to be a very fluid list throughout the season. But let's start today. Michael is being annoying already, so we'll start with him. <laughs> um, Tyreek Hill is number one on the consensus uh, wide receiver list. He is also number one in my list. I don't have your guys in front of us, but Michael, why don't you talk about Tyreek Hill to start? Yeah, I actually have Tyreek Hill number two behind Devontae Adams. Um until Aaron Rodgers leaves, if he does leave, that's how it's going to be the case. I mean, there's not much you could say about Tyreek Hill besides the dude's an absolute stud tied with the best quarterback in the league. And last season was, like, Tyreek Hill has had some tremendous seasons. Last season was really, like, his coming out party as an elite wide receiver, I think, where it's like, all right, this guy isn't just, like, some speed dude. This guy could just do it all. He's a monster. Um, 87 receptions. 1,276 yards, 17 touchdowns. Honestly, a, a tremendous season. He's locked and loaded this year as a top three option at the wide receiver position. And if you take him over Devontae Adams, even I would not be, uh, I would not fault you at all. Uh, Jason. Yeah, I have Hill at one just because of the off chance that Aaron Rodgers doesn't play in Green Bay this year. Even though it's very slight, I think he's going to play in Green Bay. I think it's slight. I don't know. Yeah, but uh, if I was drafting right now, I would prefer to have Terry Kill just because you it's safer and also yeah, it's the same too. upside. So that's why I that's why I have him over Devontae Adams. But I'm gonna assume Devontae Adams is our number two player, and deservedly so. I mean, what's there to say about Devontae Adams? Last season was like an absurd season. This guy had 
18 touchdowns. Let that like that's Derrick Henry level touchdowns, but catching the damn ball. Um, so even with regression, because let's assume Aaron Rodgers isn't going to win MVP again, Devontae Adams could go 100, 1150, and 12 and still be a top 12 wide receiver. And that seems super attainable. I, I was going to say that kind of seems like you're. Like you're undercutting Devonte Adams when you when you give that. He was so good like last amazing year, man. numbers. He's the best wide receiver in football. His game is flawless, bro. I really he think he's the best wide receiver in football. He averaged like 98 yards a game. He averaged over a touchdown per game. The dude was automatic week in and week out. It was a little absurd. I honestly, I'm a big fan of Devonte Adams because he came into the NFL as a fucking scrub. Yeah, he, he sucked his first two years. If he you was really that. bad. A lot of drops. And they asked him if he's not going to go to, like, minicamp or some shit. And he said something along the lines of, like, I don't know. Something like, I, I grew up eating whatever I, was in I front grew of up, me. I like, grew up poor. I'm not giving away any of the dollars I earned. Yeah, exactly. It's like, obviously, like, this guy has worked his ass off, and it shows on the field. So, shout out to Monte Adams. And, it's, and it shows kind of, like, who a lot of the—I don't want to sound like an old man— but a lot of people are very today in today's world. Everyone's entitled, and you see that a lot with wide receivers, where you know the, their quarterback gets on them, and all of a sudden they they say fuck the quarterback, and they're entitled. Devontae Adams didn't do that. He took the training. He he learned over time. It took him three years to get there, but he eventually became Aaron Rodgers' best friend, and that's it. Shows you where you can get him. I have Devontae Adams at four, but not because I feel like he's going to be the fourth best receiver. If when the second I hear. That Aaron Rodgers is playing, Devontae Adams moves up to number one on my list. If he's not playing, if he's playing for someone else, and Jordan Love is the quarterback, I still think Devontae Adams could finish as like number eight overall. So I put him at number four, somewhere in the middle. Because I think Devontae Adams is that good where it doesn't matter who the quarterback is, he's going to be good, but the quarterback will make him great. I think it's like a, he's like a, Better version of like Allen Robinson, for instance. Like Allen Robinson has had terrible quarterbacks, but he's still finishing around like wide receiver ten to fifteen. I think that would be Devontae Adams, except a little higher, like wide receiver seven to twelve. Exactly. Um, I just one note on Tyree Kill because we started talking about Tyree Kill. Hill has this home run or bust type big playmaker that is like the reputation that precedes him. But last year he really turned into a legitimately number one receiver. He was targeted at least 10 times in the game, seven times last year. That happened just twice in 2019. He was also targeted six or more times in all but one game last season. He's clearly the top target for the best quarterback in the NFL. And that just makes him a top receiver in fantasy because he goes from that hit or miss kind of guy to now it's guaranteed what you're going to see. Um, Number three on the list is probably, as a podcast, we're higher on him than most probably. It's the man, the myth, the legend, my son, Justin Jefferson. The man I coddled into existence last year and said, be free, young Simba. Um, I have a lot to say about Justin Jefferson. I have him at three. He's averaged three, so you guys, unless one of you has him at two, you probably both also have him at three. How you feeling about uh, Justin Jefferson, Jason? I love me some Justin Jefferson, and I don't understand people who think he might not repeat what he did. This guy, there's some people just have irrational disrespect towards them. 
Because if there was a guy named Oda Beckham Jr. who literally broke every single rookie record, he'd still be getting love eight years later, even though he's been kind of a bum. Wait, what? That's happening with Odell Beckham Jr.? Oh, wow. But Justin Jefferson, people expect to sit, like, regress for what reason? Adam Thielen's a year older. He's pretty injury-prone in his career. The fucking Vikings have two tight ends, and they don't know which one to put on the field. And they literally have nothing else. Justin Jefferson is also receiving these passes that he's going to get from Kirk Cousins, one of the top... If I looked it up, probably from like 2018 through 2020, he's definitely top five over the three years in true throw value. This guy is second to Ryan Tannehill in just underrated efficiency. So I think Justin Jefferson is a fantastic option as the third wide receiver. That is where I have him. I'm going to I'm gonna build off of what you just said, Jason, because Kirk Cousins being an efficiency machine is so underrated. Um First of all, in case you needed to know uh, all the reasons why Justin Jefferson's rookie season was already so crazy, he has the most the most yards ever for a rookie wide receiver. First rookie rookie wide receiver named an All Pro since Randy Moss in nineteen ninety eight. He was only the third wide receiver ever to make the Pro Bowl at twenty one years old. Randy Moss in in ninety eight and Amari Cooper in in fifteen, and he finished tied for first with twenty three receptions over twenty four. 20 yards. Second all-time in yards per game, only behind Odell Beckham Jr., who Jason mentioned earlier. I think it's important to note that Cousins only attempted a pass 516 times in 2020. That's good for 15th in the NFL, and that's over 100 times less than the number one quarterback, Matt Ryan. In fact, Matt Ryan had almost as many completions as Kirk Cousins had attempts. Big difference in terms of efficiency between those two quarterbacks. Um, Jefferson was a target on 125, pa- uh, 20, 125 of those pass attempts. That was only 16th in the NFL on targets. If you're saying, though, it's because he doesn't throw that much, I say this. The last time that Adam Thielen and Stefan Diggs put a, a full season together... They each recorded 149 targets or more. Now, Gary Kubiak is a run-first guy, so that limited potential. But Clint Kubiak, his son, is 33 years old. And a lot of people see the last name Kubiak and just assume he's going to be just like his dad. But you need to look at where Clint Kubiak comes from. Clint Kubiak has worked with Cliff Kingsbury. Clint Kubiak has worked with Kevin Stefanski, right? These are two guys who run offenses that work around the play action, spread the offensive around. Kevin Stefanski is more towards the run. Kingsbury is more towards the pass, but both of them like to put to spread, to use movements and things like that. Kubiak told Vikings.com in the offseason, if we don't evolve, we'll be left in the dust. That's every team in the NFL. We're always trying to find ways to evolve our scheme and trying to make ourselves less predictable. Say less. So you're telling me that there's going to be more opportunity for Justin Jefferson. And it's going to be still really hard to double him because you still have Adam Thielen on the other side. You still have, Jason said, the two wide receivers you can't figure out to be on the field. You don't have to figure it out. They could be on the field together, and both of them are pass-catching threats. 
And you have Dalvin Cook as a pass-catching threat that has, that has to take the attention of the safety because if you only put a linebacker on Dalvin Cook, sooner or later, Dalvin Cook's going to blow by that linebacker. So Justin Jefferson's going to have an opportunity again with a proficient and, and highly productive and highly efficient quarterback in Kirk Cousins. And give me all the Justin Jefferson. I want every single one of him. If, it, if I was feeling real frisky, I would have Justin Jefferson as my number one receiver, but we'll wait till next year to do that. Honestly, all you need to know about Jefferson is that his main comp with a pretty high confidence factor on the Brodo Fantasy app is Julio Jones. Hot damn. Hot damn. Um, I started, I had a, I have a Justin Jefferson article on BrotoFantasy.com. Go check that out if you already haven't. Um, I start the article by saying, imagine how good someone would have to be in order for the team to trade away their homegrown fifth-round pick superstar wide receiver, that wide receiver going on to reach the AFC Championship game and lead the league in yards, and you're still happy about the trade. That's how good Justin Jefferson was. <laughs> like, Word. that's ridiculous, honestly. Um, so, Justin Jefferson, uh, third overall in our rankings. Coming up at number fourth in our rankings is someone who uh, definitely took a big, giant leap up my rankings. Um with the trade of Julio Jones, and that is Calvin Ridley. He comes in at four. I actually have him ranked at five. Jason, where do you have him ranked? Jason, I think you're on mute. Here we go. Classic. Classic. Michael. I was doing the – it was, It kept going on and off. Sometimes I, I got to stop using the space bar when I'm doing the podcast. But um, uh, Calvin Ridley is is next up for me as well. Um, this was a little bit of a... Hold on, Mike, oh, where sorry. do you have him ranked? Four. All right, Jason, get into it. Yeah, it was a little bit of a tough cookie for me to swallow this one because we all know A.J. Brown is my guy. But um, Calvin Ridley, it at some point, it comes down to opportunity. And with Julio Jones out the door and with Matt Harmon's reception perception saying that Calvin Ridley is the absolute truth, there's really nothing not to like about Atlanta. Like, besides Russell Gage, who is good, but he's not a guy who's going to see 150 targets a year. Like, let's be real. And then Kyle Pitts, a rookie tight end. And then Mike Davis, a career journeyman. That offense is all Calvin Ridley. So give me all of that. That is why he's number four. It's and not Calvin Ridley has been an absolute stud. When Julio has been out the past several seasons, um, specifically last year, he averaged over 18 points per game. When Julio Jones was out, he becomes a target hog. And we all know the Atlanta Falcons are going to be throwing a whole lot. Matt Ryan has led the led the league in attempts last year, was third in the league in attempts the year prior. And Calvin Ridley is going to, I would probably, are there Vegas odds currently for target leaders? Because... I would expect Calvin Ridley to be probably one of the three lowest odds. I, you mean lowest as in lowest as in money return if you bet on him, right? So, one of the three favorites. Um, yeah, I mean Calvin Ridley. You guys know how I feel about Matt Ryan. Um, I don't think that Matt <laughs> Ryan is, is good enough to to support a top fantasy football offense, which he has not been good enough support to support for years now. But with that being said, he is good enough to support one really, really good fantasy player. And that, and this year, that's 
Calvin Ridley. Calvin Ridley is going to get the ball so much, it's going to be a little head spinning. He's going to be force-fed the ball while the Falcons are down. He's going to be force-fed the ball in the first, in the second, in the third, in the fourth. Um, he is going to be force-fed the ball over and over and over again. So just because of that volume, plus, like Jason said, Matt Harmon confirms what you could see with your very eyes. The dude is open. He's always open. He beats double teams. He's always open. So, yeah, I think Calvin Ridley is a fantastic pick uh, this year. Let's uh, go over to the pick after Calvin Ridley now. If you guys had a guess, who would you say was is here? Stefan Diggs. Diggs or Brown? It's Diggs. Uh, Stefan Diggs comes in next. I have Stefan Diggs ranked sixth myself. Um, Stefan Diggs was once compared to Antonio Brown. A lot of people don't remember that. He was like mini Antonio Brown. Both picked in the fifth round. Um, both kind of have the same size and athletic profile. But he never really put together an Antonio Brown season until last season when Josh Allen became the quarterback that I thought he could be coming out of Wyoming and when Stephon Diggs became his go-to number one receiver. There's really no reason to think that that's going to change. I think to expect Stephon Diggs to put up the same numbers he put up last year is, you know, a little too asking too much. Like, uh, how many wide receivers have led the league in in receiving yards in back-to-back seasons? I, I don't have anything in front of me, but I think the list goes Jerry Rice, and probably that's it. So, Stephon Diggs, uphill climb to reach where he got last year, but still will put together a top-half wide receiver one um, finish with Josh Allen, the newest superstar as his quarterback. So, uh, yeah, jo- Stephon Diggs, fantastic here. Michael, how do you feel about Stephon? Yeah, I like Diggs a lot this season. Um, it's not like the it's not like the Bills went out and added a bunch of weapons, right? They're generally going back with the same exact starting lineup that they had last season. And this guy, I missed on him last year. It was, I should have because I didn't expect Josh Allen to take the huge step up like he did. But, I mean, this is a guy we saw in 2018 go 102 receptions for 1,021 yards. So more of a possession receiver. And then the following year... 63 receptions for 1130 yards like it's absurd and then then he's a deep threat receiver like Stefan Diggs was able to do it all during his time in Minnesota and the Buffalo Bills took full advantage of that and last season he had that career year we've been waiting for I mean 127 receptions 1535 yards eight touchdowns the dude was an absolute animal and I don't see why that would change uh, in now his second year with Josh Allen Facts, facts. Uh, sorry, I'm just in the middle of a, in the middle of drinking some water there, Michael. You uh, caught me off guard. Jason, you have any uh, Stefan Diggs notes, or you want to go to the next guy? Because I know you got notes on him. We can go to the next guy, my favorite guy in the whole wide world. I don't know if you're higher on him than I am, Jason. AJ Brown comes in at wide receiver six on our list. Jason, where do you have him ranked? Uh, I have him at six, but I'm probably gonna move him up. All right, why? Just because I love him. <laughs> no, like, dude, it's just remarkable what he does with the amount of targets that he sees, and it has a lot to do with Ryan Tannehill. But when, if you ask someone, how many targets do you think Adrian Brown had last year? How many targets do you think he had last year? Probably like 
105-ish. I'd say that. Yeah, 106. 30th in the league in targets. What? He was 14th in receiving yards, uh, 5th in receiving touchdowns, 27th in receptions. He does so much more than the targets he's given. And I know that Julio Jones just came to town, and that's probably why I don't have A.J. Brown as my overall wide receiver one. But the guy just knows how to make plays. He knows how to find the end zone. Ryan Tannehill, for three years running now and half a season, with half a season of Adam Gase, has been no, whole, a full season. A whole season half a season Gase. in Tennessee, yeah. Well, more than half a season there, too. Whatever, you know what I mean. When he came off the bench into Tennessee and came in is what I was talking about. But even under Adam Gase, he's been a top 10 true throw value quarterback for the past three years. With with Julio Jones on the outside, everyone wants to talk about the limited targets. Even if A.J. Brown sees 10 more targets than last year, there's Julio Jones on the other side of him. <laughs> no one's guarding A.J. Brown one-on-one. At least not successfully for an entire game. I challenge any cornerback to do that. They won't be able to. So if Julio Jones being on the other side means that A.J. Brown is going to have more single coverage, sign me up for that, man. I was going to say, bro, you said that that's the reason why you don't have A.J. Brown. I have A.J. Brown ready for this. Second. Now, that could be third if Devontae Adams plays with Aaron Rodgers. But I think the addition of Julio Jones actually boosts his fantasy outlook. I'm on the other end of that one. Because usually it's like, oh, Julio Jones in town is going to get less targets. But you got to remember, Corey Davis, gone. Jonu Smith, gone. Uh, Adam Humphreys, gone. These guys who had major targets last year are gone. In fact, we mentioned that the Titans are the number one team in terms of vacated targets last season. Going into this season, they were number one. So when Julio Jones comes in, he's not coming in to take the work away from A.J. Brown. He's going to, like... Supplement A.J. Brown. That's the right word. He's going to supplement the production of A.J. Brown. He's going to... In fact, like Michael said something in the last in the last podcast that really jumped out at me as something that um, is true, is that when you man up on A.J. Brown, every time A.J. Brown is in man-to-man coverage is a chance for an 80-yard touchdown. Every single time. And he's going to be manned up in man-to-man coverage a lot because you... Bet your ass you're going to have an extra guy in the box to guard against Derrick Henry. You bet your ass you're going to have a safety guarding against Julio Jones. Who else are you going to put on A.J. Brown? And then if you do double A.J. Brown, that opens up the field for guys like Julio Jones and guys like Josh Reynolds, who, not for nothing, Jason liked Josh Reynolds because he was a good player in L.A. And now you have Josh Reynolds, a guy who's way better than Adam Humphreys overall, and he opens up more space. So I love what the Titans did around A.J. Brown to open up more space for him. And I think that all these additions are good for him. Because if he's facing doubles, no matter how good he is, and you see it with Terry McLaurin last year, um, you see a lot with guys who are just facing doubles. DeAndre Hopkins faces doubles all the time. Allen Robinson faces doubles all the time. It, it It caps you. But now with Julio Jones on the other side, man, and these guys already, like Julio Jones is the number two. And the reason why he's number two is because he wants everyone to know that when you take the number two as meaning, and when you take two and you and you make it times A.J. Brown's 11, it equals 22, which is Derrick Henry's number. So he wanted that to everyone know that this is the, the threesome of force that's going down. That 
fuck yeah. If I'm an AJ Brown <laughs> roster, like that's yeah. the kind of mutual respect and everyone eating kind of mentality I want. I love AJ Brown this year, and I love him even more now that Julio's on the other side. He's so damn good, man. It's so much fun watching him week in and week out. I uh, I I don't know if there's top three potential just volume reasons. Um, there. Are, I mean, let's be real. He's not going to see 150 targets where guys like Devontae Adams, Tyreek Hill, and Calvin Ridley more than likely are. Um, but still, he could definitely still be a top half wide receiver one just because he's so damn good. Like we, there was he dropped like a 70 yard touchdown last year that he just straight up dropped it. Ryan Tannehill missed him on a couple like 70 plus yard bombs. Imagine even if like two of those hit, people would be looking at his stats and being like, wow. And people already look at his stats and say, wow. And it's just, he was also, he made some, he did drop a few passes last year, but he's a sophomore. He's getting better, bigger, stronger. He played with two broken knees apparently and was still an absolute animal. So very excited for his third season in the league. I just came across a stat that has nothing to do with AJ Brown, but I just thought it should be there. Calvin Ridley got targeted inside the 10-yard line 22 times last season. That's the, uh, second. The goal league. line rusher of the Second Falcons. in the league. It's going to be the same this year, man. Calvin Ridley's going to feast. Um, all right, let's go on to our next dudeski. Our next diskibitski. Take cover. Nuke. Is coming in. Um, DeAndre Hopkins comes in here um, at number one, two, three, four, five, six, seven on our consensus board. He also comes in at number seven on my personal board. Not much to say except DeAndre Hopkins is a consistent killer. Who Kyle Murray before Kyler Murray before he got hurt last year was also a killer. Ten, 10 straight weeks of phenomenal fantasy production out of Kyler Murray um, is not a mistake. He hurt himself, and he got worse. Um, also not a mistake. I think Kyler Murray goes back to that form. I think DeAndre Hopkins is one of the reasons. No, I, at this point, DeAndre Hopkins is probably the safest wide receiver you can pick. Yeah. Um, the True Value Report last year basically said DeAndre Hopkins had a floor of wide receiver 10 no matter who his quarterback was and that ended up being the case uh basically he ended up around wide receiver seven to nine i want to say um i'm not exactly sure where he ended up but pretty great um that's just what you're gonna get from deandre hopkins and yeah if you draft deandre hopkins i'm not gonna be upset at you because you're gonna get that big time receiver who could explode any game he had a couple down games last year which was a little frustrating, but that's what happens when you're dealing with a quarterback like a Kyler Murray who has his bads along with his goods. Um, so, yeah, if you're taking DeAndre Hopkins, I'm not going to be upset at you. I have him at number six, actually. So I think I have him probably the highest of all of us. Uh, I had him one spot ahead of A.J. Brown because um, I do think he's just going to continue to be a very, very, very solid target hog type of guy who's just going to keep putting in work. And I think his touchdown total could certainly increase as well. Here's where we have our biggest difference so far. Um, it's in our next guy here. The next guy. Oh, no, not not this guy. The next guy is actually the biggest difference. The next guy is DK Metcalf, someone that I'm lower on than consensus. I have him at 10, but he's our consensus 
uh, eight right here. Let me count one more time. Uh, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. He's our consensus eight. Who's the Who's the person who has him higher than eight? That makes this where I, it is. I have him exactly at eight. What about you, Jason? As do I. Oh, okay. So, and I have him at ten. So we're all kind of in the same vicinity in DK Metcalf. Uh, what are your guys' thoughts on DK and why do you like him? I think My people. Thoughts... Are... Go ahead, Jay. I should really I should really call My... out one person when I do that. Yeah, bro. Yeah, bro. You're not an <laughs> amateur. This damn, we're on the the Zoom meetings instead of the in person meetings. It's harder to tell who's going to talk. You know, it is. It is. My thoughts is a second year wide receiver ended as the fifth overall player last year on only 129 targets after seeing 100 targets his rookie year. I expect the 129 number to go up because Tyler Lockett is just an anomalous human who you can't put a finger on, and I expect DK Metcalf to steal a few more targets from him this year because there were times where Tyler Lockett just seemed like he wasn't even on the field last year. 83 catches, 1,300 yards, 10 touchdowns, and he's playing with Russell Wilson. Russell Wilson, no matter whether he's throwing the ball five times or 100 times, he's going to find DK Metcalf. Uh, he had a hundred. He had 83 catches last year. I think DK Metcalf, if given a little bit more opportunity, will flirt with 100 catches, and that behemoth of a human getting around 100 catches is good. That's just, it's going to be good. And Brian Schottenheimer is gone. Ding dong, Shotty's dead. I've yep. been waiting for this moment for years. <laughs> Pete My, Carroll is still yeah. there, which is annoying, but man, you guys know how I feel about Brian Schottenheimer. I legitimately think he's wasted the prime of one of the best quarterbacks we've seen in our lives, and it gets me so mad even thinking about it, but like Jason said, DK Metcalf had a tremendous sophomore season. There's no reason to think he would decline for any reason, or even if he has a neutral season, drafting him as an eighth wide receiver still makes sense. And he's entering his third year, so it's just you're just playing with house money if he improves. Here's what I will say about that. Yes, you guys are right about everything. It doesn't concern you how drastically he fell off last year. That was when the entire league was calling out the damn plays that they were running because Brian Schottenheimer sucks so bad. Like the like defenders literally said they knew what plays were coming and they did not change their playbook. They did not adjust. They just kept running the same exact offense that they were running that absolutely dominated in the first several weeks when it was new. And then guess what? If teams know what you're going to run, there's going to be issues there. So I'm not super concerned about that. I think it's more the offense as a whole and not really a DK Metcalf problem. I think there is something to be said. Now, I'm high on Metcalf. I think he's a wide receiver one this year. It's not like I'm low on him. Um, but I think there is something to be said about the fact that DK Metcalf does have a limited route tree. And this is, this is something that you t they talked about when he, was, when he was coming into the league, right? He couldn't run around the cones. Um, it, the, you know, there's a purpose for it. And it's, can this guy come in and out? It cuts quickly. Can he get open? And he's really successful on these nine routes. And he is really good on these go routes. He's really good on the deep post. He's really good on the deep flag. But these over-the-middle things, these shorter passes, these, it's just not his thing. 
So he's a little easier to game plan against. I, I would he's like a taller Tyreek Hill to me. Like I think eventually he'll get to that point where he gets ten targets to a, a, a game or like at least you know like that kind of player where he's at that level. But the consistency is what's killing me right now because I think that without that consistent tree of routes. It's gonna be hard to get to that next level of echelon. You know, what I, do, do you know what I'm saying when I say echelon, like that next level of player? Yeah, that's so, echelon. Yeah, right. But, so I think that, you know, for DK, and, and it, we live in New York, so I, I'm around a lot of Hispanic people, and every time I hear DK, I always think of some because I, I I work with a lot of Hispanic kids, and before they say anything, they go DK. And then they say it. <laughs> so, like, I always get ready. Like, DK, Metcalf. Um, but, yeah, so DK, um, is, which is like, look. You know, it, it's just, it's something to be said. I'm not saying that it's a really bad thing or anything like that. It's just something to be said. So here's where we have our first divide, I feel like. Um, Keenan Allen comes in as wide receiver 9. I've got him as wide receiver 13. Um where where do you guys have him? I have him at nine. Seven, nine, thirteen. Okay, I mean we're not that far off. Why tell me why I'm wrong. Because it's Keenan fucking Allen and Justin Herbert. They're gonna light the world on fire this year. First of all, I just need to say that Keenan Allen has now played fourteen games or more in four straight seasons. So don't try to convince yourself that he's injury prone again just because he missed two games last year. That was a fluke. Now, on to what he can do this season. He saw 147 targets last year from a rookie, Justin Herbert, and only turned that into 992 yards and eight touchdowns. Justin Herbert had one of the best rookie seasons ever, and I think he's going to take a very big leap forward this year. And if he takes a leap forward, that means more efficiency for Keenan Allen. So we have a second-year quarterback who could take an MVP leap this year with a guy who's guaranteed to see at least 150 targets or around that number. The last four years, Keenan Allen has seen 159, 136, 149, 147 targets. So if he's seeing around 150 targets from an MVP caliber quarterback, then he's going to have around 100 catches, probably 12 to 1,300 yards. And if he gets a little lucky near the end zone and is able to score like 14 touchdowns, then he's a top five receiver. If he scores eight touchdowns, then he's a top 10 receiver. I think the sky's the limit for Keenan Allen this year. I It's all about Justin Herbert, man. Yeah. And now Anthony Lynn is gone. Um, oh, Tim. I, I thought, wow, that was mad funny. See, Zoom things. You can't see Tim. Tim just gave like a fist pump hype that Anthony Lynn was gone. I thought he got mad about something. I thought nah. something like happened with the recording. That's nah. why I paused. I wasn't hyped that Anthony Lynn was gone. I'm, I'm hyped that the Mets just won. Hey, Seth Lugo struck him out. Let's yeah. go. Let's fucking go. <laughs> <laughs> but anyways, who was I talking about? Keenan Allen. Yeah, it's all about the Justin Herbert uh, step up. If it happens, Keenan Allen will happen. And at the very least, Keenan Allen is going to get you the like 97 targets is his four. Excuse me. 97 receptions is his four year low. That's absolutely absurd. That's who the guy is. He's a possession receiver who could also go long and make plays. Last year, his longest reception was 28 yards. That was the shortest it's been in any season. 
Um, so I think that will improve as well. Like he he didn't have like that big play that he has every so often. So I think there's definitely room to improve as well. So yeah, I like Keenan Allen this year, man. And he's certainly a very safe option. I got him at 13 just because I what well, maybe I'll move him up, but he doesn't excite me. He just doesn't excite and me. And that's he why he's a value this year. He doesn't People get just enough hear touchdowns. Keenan Allen go, nah. He doesn't nah, get enough touchdowns. Keenan Allen. He only had two games last season. One one game last season where his yards per reception was over 14 yards. So this is a guy who's getting peppered with short shit, you know? And he's really he's really effective at it. And he's a PPR machine. And it, these are my half PPR rankings. We should mention that these are half PPR rankings. PPR, I, I boost him up a bit. But I just, look, Justin Herbert had an incredible year last year. If he struggles a little this year, it wouldn't be the first time something like that happened. We have a new offense. You're not going to bet on Justin Herbert? I am. We got a new offense coming in. Mike Williams apparently is going to be the Michael Thomas of this offense. Is there something to be said about that? I just think as of right now, June 15th, that there's just a little too many question marks around Keenan Allen to put him as a wide receiver one. But I have him as wide receiver 13, like just outside. So it's not like Keenan Allen, I think he's going to suck or something. So there's something to be said about that. Number 10 is a guy who I'm glad to see that you guys are as high on him as I am. Um, maybe not. Maybe I. Maybe my. Maybe hit me ranking him at eight kind of brought him up a little bit. But Terry McLaurin comes in at number ten. Um, scary Terry, baby. Look, there's three certainties in life: death, taxes, and Ryan Fitzpatrick absolutely peppering his number one receiver. Um, if you go back in the years for Ryan Fitzpatrick's number one receiver, Ryan Fitzpatrick's number one receiver has been absolutely a target monster. Whether it was Devontae Parker in Miami, Mike Evans in Tampa Bay, Brandon Marshall in New York, Andre Johnson and DeAndre Hopkins in Houston. Even Stevie Johnson, 10 years ago, had 148 targets. Like, history shows that Fitzmagic loves to make footballs appear in number one wide receiver's hands. And this is excellent news for McLaurin. Because he's shown that he is one of the most productive receivers in football, despite the QB void, void that Washington has had since drafting him. Jason already uh, mentioned Matt Harmon's reception perception. We love that here. McLaurin gets open at least three quarters of the time, and this is in the 90th percentile, against man, zone, and press coverage, respectively, each. He, he wins his battles three out of four times. He's doing this while getting doubled 13% of the times. That's more than guys like Allen Robinson, more than guys like A.J. Brown last season. The bottom line is that McLaurin's a stud, period. And he's been doing it despite QB play. Now, I do think there's the assumption that Ryan Fitzpatrick comes in and plays well is an assumption that I'm not comfortable making at the moment. But I think even if Fitzpatrick doesn't play well, then... McLaurin's still going to see a ton of volume every game. He's going to be force-fed, and he's a superstar, and he gets open at a rate of a superstar, and I think this is going to be the coming-out party for Terry McLaurin. Jason's on mute. 
He did it yeah, again. the dude had 1,100 yards and only four touchdowns last season on 87 receptions. And I don't think we have to tell you how bad that QB room was, right? With Dwayne Haskins, Alex Smith. Look, Alex Smith was a tremendous story. Just not a great quarterback. Just, like, let's be real about it. And Ryan Fitzpatrick, yes, he's a a just a career journeyman type of guy, but he's an absolute gunslinger, like you said, who... I mean, we were Jets fans. We highly enjoyed that season where Derek Decker and Brandon Marshall. Brandon Marshall was a wider, well, the top five wide receiver basically every week, and Eric Decker was a top twenty wide receiver. He loves to target his guys. And Terry McLaurin, like you said, is a technician. I don't have him as high as you do. Um, I have him as my wide receiver twelve, though. And yeah, I don't think you can really go wrong with Terry McLaurin. He. It depends on how good Fitzpatrick is this season like they're there you're certainly gonna have some frustrating games with McLaurin but he could be a better player and also like some people might make the you know Washington is a better defense less um like garbage time argument but Miami's defense wasn't that bad last year and Fitz did start seven games last season and was pretty good in them and provided some quarterback one weeks in them. So it we know that Fitz can be a good player, even with an awful defense. I mean, even with a good defense, I think that the only thing we know about Fitz, the only thing you can bank on is that he's going to throw it to one or two guys only. And one of those guys is going to be Terry McClellan. I think... There is one thing to be said, though, about Ryan Fitzpatrick, and I just need to say this. The last time Ryan Fitzpatrick went into a season knowing that he was a starter was his second season with the Jets, and he threw more interceptions than he did touchdowns. Ryan Fitzpatrick has always been the type of guy who succeeds in situations where he doesn't expect to be the starter because he could play Ryan Fitzpatrick-ish, free, nothing really to lose, no holds barred. That changes now. So I think that assuming Ryan Fitzpatrick is better this season is an assumption, like I said, that I am not willing to make at the moment. But with that being said, Ryan Fitzpatrick was was pretty great last year in Miami, though. He was, but he was not expecting to be a starter. He was playing with that kind of... He thought he was. like He was very upset. He thought it was his job when they replaced him with Tua. I will say this. Um, shout out to at bloody underscore Sunday um, on Twitter. One of my favorite follows. A guy who came into Twitter with a uh, with kind of a, a bad take that I didn't like. But since then, me and him have, have kind of become pretty buddy buddy. I, I, I like his I like his takes. I like his stats, and I also like his opinion on things. Um, Ryan Fitzpatrick's passer rating from him uh, in the last three years compared to his first 13 years. His passer rating is up 15 points. His completion percentage is up six points. His yards per attempt is up over a yard. So Fitzpatrick has definitely been a better player in the last three seasons. So there is something to be said about that. So just putting that out there. Just putting that out there. All right. Um... Number 11 on the list, Michael Tumas, the tank engine. Um, 
Michael Thomas is going in like the third round right now, ADP, and that is an absolute steal. Now, you don't know who the quarterback is going to be. It does seem out of camp that Jameis Winston has the edge on Taysom Hill. I'm still banking on Taysom Hill personally. I think Terry, I, I think Michael Thomas is being significantly overrated. He goes from breaking the catch record to over having or under. Overrated, I mean underrated. I'm sorry, he's being ridiculously underrated. He he goes from the catch record to an injury plague season. Everyone acts like he he all of a sudden are hating on him. He's just a slant guy. It's a ridiculous thing to say. It's a ridiculous statement to make. And Michael Thomas here, although I have him ranked here as well, I think he's a steal here. So I, I think Michael Thomas comes next. And he, I have him at nine. He comes in as 11 on our consensus list. I'm a little concerned about Michael Thomas just because of the quarterback situation. Like, I'm I'm not of the, yeah, Michael Thomas has always sucked mold. Oh, slant boy or whatever. But I do think Drew Brees was basically perfect for that, though. Like, him and Drew Brees was a perfect combo. And last year in his time with Taysom Hill, he was good. But, like, 40 receptions, 438 yards, and zero touchdowns in seven games is not something that really excites you. And I I don't think he's going to be that overall wide receiver one type guy that everyone thought he was going to be, um, like, a, a couple of years back. But uh, I do still think he's going to be a very solid receiver. I have him at wide receiver 14. I think he's going to... I think he's going to be more of a wide receiver two than a wide receiver one this year with the question marks um, in that quarterback position because I also think it's going to be the Taysom Hill show and not the Jameis Winston show. I'm a little concerned about his personality. I hate to be that person. I hate people who are that person. This is probably the first time I'm ever saying this in my life. But the guy became a total fucking prick last year. Just a giant diva. He missed a game. Just because the Saints were fed up with him. And this is a team who was vying for the playoffs, who wanted who had a shot at like a a bye. Like that means something. And now Drew Brees, the leader of the locker room, is out of the is gone. You think Jameis Winston's gonna stand up to Michael Thomas? You think Jameis Winston's not gonna be a little bitch if Michael Thomas yells at him? I feel like Michael Jameis Winston would be the bitch in that scenario. And I I just don't know if these things are going to work out based on his personality. I wouldn't be surprised if Michael Thomas gets pissed off after a quarter if he only sees one target. And if that trickles down to the rest of the offense, I don't know what the Saints are going to do. He's too good to like not play him, but there's a trickle-down effect when the mood in a room is changed. And Michael Thomas last year was changing that mood all the time. And without Drew Brees there, I do think that that's something to take note of. Yeah, Jason, that's a good point. Um, but I do want you to let you know, when you're assuming that Jameis Winston doesn't isn't tough, I, I do want to tell you that he eats human fingers. So you should know that. Um, and then finally... He's crab, bro. <laughs> finally, our last uh, guy in the top 12, Allen Robinson, beats out Julio Jones. Uh, who comes in at number 13. Julio Jones, personally, is my number 12, but Allen Robinson comes in as the consensus number 12. Um, I don't have a problem with it. For me, Allen Robinson, I think, is wide receiver 14. Let me just double-check that. Um, yeah, Allen Robinson. Oh, no, Allen Robinson is right, right, wide receiver 12 on my big board. Julio Jones is 11. Uh, oh, yeah, Keenan Allen's not off the, on the list. So 
I mean, I don't think he plays with Andy Dalton. I, I already told you guys, I think it's Justin Fields um, for most of the year. So that is a wild card. Michael did mention the one thing that we didn't like about Fields coming out of college is he has a little bit of a long stride, a little bit of a long throw. Um, so we'll see how that works out with Allen Robinson. But I think that I like Allen Robinson because it doesn't matter who his quarterback is, and he's proven that time and time and again. So Allen Robinson is a wide receiver one, even if it's just barely. Yeah, um, I'm going to agree with you. I don't think it's uh, – at this point, we know who Allen Robinson is. Um, it's also I, – I find it funny, all these people – who were like, yeah, they finally got him a real quarterback, Justin Fields, let's go. I don't think it's going to be, like we discussed this earlier, I think it's going to be Andy Dalton at QB for a bit. And I don't know if Justin Fields is going to like come in and be some star right away. I mean, people thought Tua Tagovailoa was the next big thing, and he had a pretty atrocious rookie season. And by the end of it, everyone wanted Ryan Fitzpatrick to be the starter for Devontae Parker and uh, like Mike Kosicki reasons, you know? So... I don't, I'm not just going to go and claim Allen Robinson as a top eight wide receiver now because the new young quarterback might be better than Andy Dalton. No like, one, I think that's, no I think it's pretty, a pretty dumb thing to do. But, no, uh, no one's asking that. I do you. think, what? No one's asking that of you. I'm just saying that there's, there's people who are doing that. And I think it's stupid. He's doomed. Allen Robinson is probably just going to be exactly who he's been the very good receiver who's pretty frustrating to roster every now and then because that's just what the quarterback position in Chicago does Jason any thoughts on your favorite guy in the world Allen Robinson no not not anything more than what you guys said all right that'll do it for our top 12 quarterbacks if you want to see 13 through 24 wide receivers what I say quarterbacks oh uh sorry top 12 wide receivers if you want to see our wide receiver two rankings or our 13 through 24 rankings please go to patreon.com slash broto fantasy to support the show and get an extra podcast every week among a bunch of other extras michael where could they find you at broto ff mike jason at Brodo FF Jason. You can find Cass at Brodo FF Casanova. You can find me at Brodo FF Tim. See what we did there. Also, don't forget again, BrotoFantasy.com, Patreon.com slash BrotoFantasy, and the Fantasy Football by Brodo app wherever you get your apps. That's it for me. See ya. Later. Jason, we're over here waiting for you to say later. What's going on here, buddy? Jason, wait. About time.